Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Frank Film Club, the club for lovers and makers of film. I'm Maisie Williams. I am an actor and producer. I'm Lowry Roberts and I'm a filmmaker and producer. Hello, I'm Hannah Williams and I am a casting director. And welcome to our club. Take one. Hello everybody and welcome back to series three of Frank Film Club, the club for lovers and makers of film. Today we are going to be speaking about the fantastic film Red Rocket, which is in cinemas right now here in the UK and written and directed by Sean Baker. But first, guys, how have you been? It's been a little while. Um, Hannah, I saw that you watched Some Kind of Heaven at the weekend. How was it? Wow. I watched it on the weekend, but I watched it before and we were speaking about doing it on Film Club, this series, but um, we had a wealth of choice and we didn't decide to put it in. But I just wanted to shout it out because it's on Netflix now. It's like the best documentary I've ever seen. It creates such an interesting world and the way they tell the story of that world is just so amazing. So please go and watch it, girls. It's so good. Yeah, I really want to watch it. It sounds great. Yeah. What have you been up to, Lowry? Um, I have been going for some walks, going swimming. I mean, in my spare time, not just all the time. <laughs> I actually just live a life of leisure, me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Did you have a good weekend? Oh yeah, the uh, the rugby's back on. Rugby's back on, yeah. Been watching the Six Nations. Good stuff. I actually haven't watched a single game, but I know that it's on. So maybe I'll maybe I'll do that this weekend. Who knows? <laughs> I just maybe don't. I, I just don't understand it. I, all of my friends are into it, and I just like the atmosphere and the beers. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, as I mentioned earlier, today we are going to be chatting about the fantastic Red Rocket. It was directed by Sean Baker, written by Sean Baker, and his longtime writing partner Chris Burgock, and it is starring Simon Rex as Mikey Saber, Susanna Sun as Strawberry, and Brie L. Rod is Lexi. We previously watched Tangerine at Christmas, which was also directed by Sean Baker. So please make sure you go and listen to that episode if you haven't already. But listen to this one first because you're here now. Um, Red Rocket is currently in cinemas here in the UK right now. So please, please, please go and watch it because it is fabulous. The story follows a washed up porn star named Mikey Saber, who has returned to his small Texas hometown. Not that anyone really wants him back. We see Mikey living with his ex-wife Lexi, who is actually still technically his wife and his mother-in-law, Lil, while he plots his next scheme back into the adult film industry, all the while exploiting every relationship he builds as he goes. A little later on in this episode, we will be joined by the incredible Simon Rex. He is truly brilliant in this film and has already received numerous accolades and nominations for his performance as Mikey Saber. And I cannot wait to dive in and find out more about the film from him. But for now, my Frank Film Club ladies, what did you guys think? So I really enjoyed watching the film. I thought it was really entertaining. Very 
different in the way that I feel about the characters, which is also a staple of Sean Baker, I feel, which we can get to, into in a moment. But yeah, it felt very Sean Baker. And um, from his previous films, it's what I was expecting. And I loved it. I thought it was so entertaining, which I'm now realising is like very Sean Baker. Like he, he just seems to do great characters. I was, but I was just like, I absolutely love Simon Rex in this film but I know that his character is like such a dickhead and I'm like (laughs) but I still love him so I feel really conflicted by my feelings of that um so I'm really excited to talk about that a bit more yeah absolutely I I tend to agree it was uh, such a love hate like relationship going through and I was kind of like questioning when is this character going to learn when is he going to change when is he going to grow when is he going to be different um and I I want to say it kind of never really happened, um, uh, but I still found it an entertaining film nonetheless. So we have spoken about a couple of films with themes of sex work and the sex industry, uh, notably Tangerine, which was uh, from Sean Baker, Zola, uh, Shiver Baby. Um, But this is the first time that we've seen a film like this with a male lead. And it's also one of Sean's uh, only films where he kind of shows a, well, it is his only film where he shows a, a man in the sex industry. And so, you know, what did you think about Mikey throughout this film? And um, how did that compare to your experience of, of kind of other films we've watched like this? Wow, I hadn't even thought about it like that. But that is so true because as Lowry coined so eloquently, he's a dickhead. And you feel <laughs> like that's what I felt quite conflicted watching it because and it really made me realise that Sean Baker's leads in all the other films that I've seen that he's made are um, not likeable and they're really hard to connect with. But I found this even more like prevalent with this film I just couldn't connect with him like I found the um the story really interesting but I I was just like gosh we really aren't meant to like this guy I'm just so conflicted on how I feel about him as a character which I'm like is that what Sean meant did Sean want is like I I'm really I'm very interested to know what we're meant to feel but I'm presuming that this is what we're meant to feel like he gets away with it and we kind of like are on board even though it's not okay. So Simon, uh, when he read the script, he immediately read that this guy was a narcissist. He was uh, a terrible person. Um, and he chose to play him as this kind of boyish, naive uh, prankster who uh, you just love to hate because he's so entertaining. Um, and so for that reason, I you know, I did love this character, um, but I can't agree with his actions. And I and I don't think that he is a different person from the end of the film to the beginning. I don't think he learned any of his lessons. But but I, I think that is that is the point. Um, I think that is the point. I think that this character represents so much in this world um, and it's not always got a fairy tale ending like that. Yeah, I I really like films like that where it's not like tied up in a nice neat little bow like uh, we were speaking the other day about ambiguous endings and scripts and and how much I love to read that but even more so like watch it on the screen and um, I just think that this film takes that to the extreme though because there doesn't seem to be like um, a period of redemption even if he ends up back in the place that he began at it does seem to just be like he's just 
prick, 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 prick. He's all the way through, Nob. And it's not, um, yeah, there's never any like slowing down in that. I feel like with this film, actually, because it was so entertaining the whole way through, I really didn't mind that it's such like an open end. And I actually really like the ending. It, it does get me wondering, like, do other dickheads in the world watch this and idolise this character? I feel like we watch it and we're like, you're entertaining, but we know that what you're doing is not okay. But that's kind of the point and like we kind of are just acknowledging that these people do exist and it's like a slice of life thing. The only thing that I do question is like, yeah, do dickheads idolise other dickheads on screen not realising that they're meant to be shown as dickheads? (laughs) So going back to just this film being made, um, it was a lockdown movie, would you believe it? So Sean was currently developing and you know in production or pre-production on something else uh and then lockdown happened and then one of his producers says we can get a certain amount of money do you have something which is going to work in this climate that you can make and they had had the idea for this project while they were making starlet um and it was during research for that film that they uh started to understand this archetype within the sex industry, which is called a suitcase pimp. And it's a man within the adult film world who will exploit uh, women in the film world. And like, they see themselves as like pimps. Did we touch on this in Tangerine? No, but this is so interesting. Yeah. So there's, yes. So they had this idea on the back burner anyway. And so then they started developing it further and, um, Developed it during COVID, shot it during COVID. Uh, very, very small crew and, uh, yeah, kind of pulled it all together. So it's just a miracle that it even exists. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's exciting. Ooh, do you know what? What you have just said there has just made me realise maybe why we feel a little bit different about Simon Rex's character. When we watch films about um, the sex industry through a female lens it's like a bit about empowerment right about them being in control of like their careers or their bodies or whatever and maybe that's what this is about this film that is just doesn't sit right with you with with his characters because he's exploiting he's the other end of that yeah so true that's incredible that they made it um when when they did yeah and also it makes sense now as well although it doesn't feel like but there is only a few locations. Donut shop again, by the way. Yes, I was going to say that. Oh my gosh, one fact that I do know about the film. Um, you know the woman that works at the donut shop in this yes. one? <laughs> she's also, the, she's the same woman that works in the shop in Tangerine and she's a producer of the film and producer of like all of Sean Baker's films. Love it. I know she's called Shi uh, Ching Shu, and she is really cool. I think she also did costume and a bit of camera on Tangerine as well. I was like, this girl can. Well, it really feels like that. It feels like uh, Sean and everyone just like when they're doing a project, they throw everything, and everyone's wearing a lot of hats, and they do, yeah, they just like go against the odds to to make something really amazing. Girls, you should definitely make um, little cameos in your films later on. Yeah. I mean, Maisie, you will be less inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to chat about Strawberry, uh, who is played by Susanna Sun. Um, what do you think about her character? I think she is 
pretty mesmerizing. She she reminds me a lot of films of this sort of feel, very like indie film. Like she looks like a movie poster, you know. She's um she's so interesting to look at. I when I was watching the film was obviously like who is this girl? And I just really want to know who she is because the only things that I could find of her is she a singer? I could see like a music video, but I didn't really know anything about her where she came from. So so interested. Yeah, so Sean actually saw her a little bit before he was making this movie. Um, she was standing in LA waiting for the cinema um, on the street and he saw her and just thought, "I, you've got to be in a movie someday. I don't know what it's going to be and I don't know what projects it's going to be for, but you are wonderful. And, um, uh, and that was how they met. And um, Susanna is a singer. So she had kind of like familiarity with this industry. Um, she's got an incredible voice. Uh, and actually the score, like the, the music, um, they do bye, 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 fr- bye, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> is it NSYNC? NSYNC, hello. <laughs> uh, bye, 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 bye NSYNC. Um, and that part of the story came f- through... Uh, Susanna um, because she was such an incredible singer um, and I don't know if she'd actually covered that song but that was sort of where that whole thing came from and then it became part of the 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 kind of score of the whole film um, but yeah that was which I also realized was a line you know in the commotion in the bedroom when they wake him up um, one of them says bye 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 bye, bye, bye. <laughs> it's such a tune it opens beautifully but anyway so she yeah I, her voice is amazing when she's doing that little rendition and that's that's amazing I love stories like that um, for Strawberry's character I think he wanted to kind of uh, depict how young people are um, really overexposed to internet porn and to like the sort of um, character that a woman plays in like a sexual nature um, and so yeah a lot of her character well like p- pieces of her character were kind of like alluding to that which I thought was interesting because because I, f- I f- was like pretty uncomfortable um, at like such a hyper sexualized girl but I do really understand that as like a you know like a comment on the world so yeah what did you guys think? And I definitely think girls around that age and even just a little bit younger can be super promiscuous. It's just obviously very awkward to see, especially when you see them with an older man. And that's also another thing that I was conflicted about is like, is should this be entertaining to me, you know? But it was so, yeah. Yeah. And But then I think that comes back to the whole thing where like we, I think it's okay if if you know that it's, not okay then that's fine but the worry is when people see it as entertaining and aspirational and that's all <laughs> and that's for, yeah exactly and they're like oh well if he's doing it i can do it kind of thing so there's a lot of uh non-actors uh on this in in classic sean baker style um so simon who we're chatting with later uh brie who plays lexi and Susanna were all were the only people with previous experience um albeit sometimes very little um and then everyone else was a complete first timer oh my god okay so the ones that i i loved was lil the mother it's like who 
is that and how did he work with her because she was like she was decent, you know and then also the other thing that I really noticed was um, you know when the the boyfriend first of all so Strawberry's boyfriend oh yeah N- Nash is it Nash yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god so awkward but he looks amazing like he looks yeah. incredible and then when the mother and father come to the donut shop and the dad looks like he's gonna laugh like if you watch that scene I rewinded it he's like holding in a laugh the whole time you can so see it it's so funny but I just love I just love the look of all the characters that he has around the edges in his films I can't wait until we speak to Simon about how Sean Baker works with um people like Simon Rex who has experience and then how that translates to how he works with brand new people um, on a lot of pre- his previous movies Sean's wife and producing partner Samantha Kwan uh works a lot with the first time actors and uh gets them into a place where they're super confident and comfortable and brings them up to speed and then sean can step in and make his changes um etc so it'd be interesting to see if samantha worked on this one because i couldn't find anything but i'm simon will know that's so cool they've obviously it seems like he works with a lot of the same people and it's a very like tight-knit crew and Mm -hmm. they all i love that nice I was just wondering what you girls think. And this isn't just about this film. This is just something that I've really noticed recently. There seems to be a lot of full frontal male nudity going on at the moment. And in Euphoria and Pam and Tommy, if you haven't seen that, oh my God, there's one scene in particular. If you've seen, you know what I'm talking about. And in this one, and I just wondered, like, is, is that a trend <laughs> that's happening a lot more? It feels like it is. I feel like I've seen a lot of penises recently. Mm, <laughs> and, <laughs> and not in real life. <laughs> but yeah, that is really becoming a thing, which I don't know how I feel about. I have also noticed that um, I can only speak on this film because Sean spoke a little bit about it in a podcast I was listening to and he just said that although this film is very male gazy and you see a lot of women nude not necessarily nude but also through the male gaze which is like just that much more uncomfortable for a woman to enact um he just was very very conscious about balancing that with male nudity um and trying to just always have the balance. The balance. <laughs> I, I get it. I, I do get it. I think it can be done in the wrong way. This wasn't shocking to me and I probably wouldn't have brought it up, but I've just, just something that I've noticed a lot more on other productions recently. I think that we're just so much more uncomfortable with seeing male nudity because we're just so desensitized to female bodies being just completely overexposed constantly which i'm i'm if people are comfortable if people feel good and if that's what they want to do here for it and also with guys um i i don't think i have a really a really a sway on it either way i just think it should be balanced and i think that we just find it really really weird when we see full frontal male nudity because it's just like we don't exploit men in the same way in media as we do women so so to, to conclude this section before we go and chat with the lovely Simon Rex, um, I just wanted to point out a couple of things that I had read about this film. Um, and the first being that 
every single actor who I heard speak about this film, when they did a screening in Texas City, uh, the people who came to watch um, were so grateful and so honored to see a movie that depicted people that they could relate to, people that they knew, um, like characters that they knew uh, in a non-exploitative way. And I think what Sean does so well is um, working with people and collaborating with people to create hugely entertaining and uh, daring films. Um, But they're not about your perfect character and they're not made up of um, people that you see on billboards. And I just think that that's cool and should be celebrated. Yeah, totally. I see this type of film as real art form and um, similar to Rocks, which we spoke about, I think that was our first episode ever, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, doing the most to really represent a group of people that don't feel like they're represented or... Um, seem so yeah I I think it's art I really do got to agree Sean Baker it's great it's very much becoming a, like a Sean Baker film is becoming a, a a phrase so yeah yeah I feel like he's um got his his very distinctive style and a lot of it seems to be the characters that he builds I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now it's time for In, In the, the Club. Club. Simon Rex is an actor, rapper, and former model. He rose to fame as a VJ on MTV and later became an actor, landing a major role on the Warner Brothers TV show, What I Like About You. After starring in the Scary Movie franchise, Simon took on a new rap persona named Dirt Nasty and released several studio albums. More recently, Simon collaborated with Sean Baker in bringing Red Rocket to the big screen, playing the starring role Mikey Sabre. This film is a must-see and we are so lucky to have him with us today. So Simon, how are you doing? I'm doing good and if I may say, I remember seeing you on Instagram singing one of my songs. Me? Yeah. There was a song I did called My Dick, Yo Dick. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Bigger than a tree, my dick. Oh my goodness. Me and Mickey Avalon, that's who is also on that song with me, were just tickled because we would watch your show on the road. So anyway, nice to meet you. 
Yeah, lovely to meet you. Uh, full circle. How wonderful. So we would love to start out. Um, I was listening to Simon Baker speak a little bit about your audition. And he said that he gave you a couple of notes, a little bit of insight into Mikey. And then you went away and did your tape in like 20 minutes. Um, and I just want to know, what did you connect with in playing Mikey? What did you understand straight off the bat? And um, how did you kind of approach that? Yeah, well, I um, he had me basically just do a very small chunk of the opening scene, which was where I, you know, um, I come back to my wife's house in Texas begging to be let in. So he just had me just basically do a cold read of one paragraph of this long scene. And I sent it to him from my phone, very cold read, you know, I barely even rehearsed it. And he just saw that I was, I, I understood and I was right for the role. So he said to me, um, okay, cool. Um, you're, you're perfect for this. I need you to be in Texas in three days, but I have to, you have to drive here. Cause if you fly here, we have to quarantine you for a week cause of COVID. So you have to drive here and be here in three days. And we start shooting in four days. And I said, okay, I'm in. I said yes before I even read the script. Then he sent me the script after I agreed to do the movie because I was in no position to not do a Sean Baker movie. I remember seeing the script going, oh shit, this is a lot. And not that I was going to say no, of course I was going to do it, but it required a lot of, uh, you know, memorization. I mean, I'm on page one to 140. I'm in every single scene of the movie. And I remember just being a little intimidated by it, but yet also having nothing to lose because in the pandemic, there was no work happening. I was just happy to work. So I drove there and just started memorizing my lines on the drive. I know it's not very safe, but I would just kind of read and drive. And then um, by the time I got there, we were we just got to shooting. So I had no time to like do any character research. I had no time to do any preparation. I basically just had to use my imagination and to um, you know go with instinct because it's not like I had time to do anything else. But I think sometimes that's better than over rehearsing and over preparing for something. So. I like that better, but um, in this case, I think it works. Yeah, it feels like this type of character where it makes sense for that to be the case. You know, there's a lot of similarities between me and Mikey in like, I think how fast we talk and a lot of the physicalities, but he's a horrible person. And I'd like to think that I'm nothing like him in real life. He, he kind of walks through life hurting people. He's a sociopathic, narcissistic, delusional, you know, um, awful person. And, and unless I am delusional in real life, I think I'm the op. I think the thing about this character of Mikey Saber is that we all know this person, whether it's a guy or a girl who is toxic and just kind of makes a mess of everything. And I think that's why people are so interested in this character study, because we all know this person and they exhaust us and they drain us. And yeah, so it was fun to play. How did you um, make him likable? That was my main job because when you read the script, he is doing these terrible things and you're just like, well, why would anybody root for this character? Why would anybody stick around for two hours to see what happens to him at the end of the movie? So my job was to make him somewhat likable and boyish and charming. So that's what I did. I just made him kind of like a little kid, you know, so maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe his intentions aren't bad because because really it's all intentions. Right. And if he's not. If he doesn't realize what he's doing, I think there's a little bit of room for um, sympathy. I think we pulled it off because a lot of people are saying they're they're conflicted. They're watching the movie going, why 
why am I kind of rooting for this guy? He's a piece of shit. That's exactly what most of our conversations were. I think after it, we were like, I don't, I like, I kind of love him, but I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's good writing. And that's, you know, um, I think that a lot of times in movies, your character will have an arc, like you'll begin somewhere, the character will change for the better or for the worse and end somewhere different. And you watch the character arc. In this movie, my character just is going in circles. He starts off, mm. shows up with nothing, with barely any money, homeless, beat up, and he ends up leaving basically beat up with no money. So you can just tell this is his cyclical pattern. So it's a little bit of different structure and He's an anti-hero, which I love. There's not enough movies where the lead character is horrible. Um, so that was fun because everything in Hollywood is usually so safe and doesn't explore these types of characters as a lead, you know? I was listening to you on a podcast and you were telling a story about how when you were a kid, you wanted to get into advertising um, and you had all of these like really funny slogans that would just come to you in your mind. And I was watching uh, this movie and a lot of it seems like improvised. Um, and I just wondered like that kind of wit that you've clearly had uh, from a young age, like does that really come in handy? How did that kind of work out on this film? How much of the film was uh, improvised? There's a lot of improv in the movie. I think Sean said it's about 25% of the film is improv, which is, as you know, that's a pretty good amount. And I love when directors let you improv. I think that's when the moments that are really real happen because you're not just regurgitating lines that you've read over and over. You're actually listening and responding and people can tell people aren't dumb. It's like you can feel when there's like a real moment and, and Sean um, really likes to work with, with non actors. So this movie red rocket, I was surrounded by first time actors that he found in the small town that we shot in who never even wanted to be an actor. So I noticed that they would be better when they weren't just scared to memorize and read their lines, you know, because that's, th imagine being just thrown onto a movie set when you work at an oil refinery in some little town, like you don't know what you're doing. So once he let us improv, that's when real moments would happen. I love it. And I think that's when, uh, sort of those real moments of reacting happen. How much responsibility did you feel like you as an experienced actor had to guide the non-actors through those improvisations? Did you feel like you had an extra, yeah, added responsibility there? Yeah, I didn't want to step on Sean's toes as a director, so I asked him, because I've been on sets before where you see people sort of like overstepping their boundaries and directing other actors and giving them line reads, and I always thought that was really unprofessional. I mean, that's the director's job, it's not another actor's job, but in this situation, yes, I wanted to help, because... I would help with more of like the technical stuff because um, to anybody listening to the podcast, this might not make sense to you, but like when you're on a, a movie set or a TV show, you have to do a lot of technical things like you have a mark on the ground that you have to stand on when you say your lines because there's lighting on you, there's camera focus, there's a lot of technical things that you'll never learn in acting class, you'll never know until you get on set. So I would help out with those things a lot, you know? I would say, hey, Sean, if you don't mind, I'm gonna help out with with this and that. And he was, please, he would say, please help. And, um, but I would never dare give them like a line read or say, you should read the line like this, you know? Um, but I would run the lines with them a lot and kind of rehearse with them between takes and help them with all of the technical stuff because 
we were working on a very small budget. Uh, we were shooting without permits, so we were hiding from the cops and hiding from neighbors. And it was like a student film, basically. Um, so yeah, that was it. Was a very challenging shoot, and with COVID, the whole thing we had COVID lo looming over us the whole time, and it was very ambitious to shoot that movie for a million bucks in a pandemic. But we did it. Mm. And on film too. I mean, it's yeah. We we have a production company, and uh, we've been umming and ahhing about shooting something on film, and it's just it's a huge responsibility. And I wonder, like, there's such a energy throughout the film. Like, even though it must have been very frantic and overwhelming on set, like, do you how do you think that kind of influenced the outcome of? The I movie? think it helped. I, in in my opinion, because of the type of movie this was, I think it helped. And it wasn't by design. It was definitely fortuitous in that we didn't plan it to be this way but when you are working on a small budget like this shooting on film it is definitely an added like pressure for me at least knowing that like oh we're burning film right now like i really better know my lines i i gotta show up and nail it because they're on digital you can just shoot the shit out of it forever but film you, you kind of gotta nail it so i in the end it's so worth it i mean Maybe to your average viewer, you won't notice the difference between digital and film. But now after doing this movie and I'm old enough to remember shooting everything on film before, like I think around 2000 is when everything went digital, like oh, 2000, 2001. Um, I think it makes such a difference. It's like I compare it to vinyl, listening to a record on vinyl. There's like a warmth to it and there's like a crackle to it and it just feels more cozy or something and I, it's the same thing with film it just looks better it just does and um i you know I, I, yeah i so i i i kind of like the added pressure of having to shoot on film because it made me really have to raise the bar and not you know you can't mess up and was it a big crew or was it a pretty tight crew how how was that it's very small. 24-day shoot, 10-person crew, $1 million budget, no permits, COVID. Some of the actors who we hired that were in the town sometimes just wouldn't show up to work and we couldn't find them. And we'd be like, shit, we already shot half the movie. We can't find these, you know. it's It was definitely a nonstop, stressful um, piv constantly pivoting and having to adapt and fix and put out fires and fix problems because we didn't have the luxury. I mean, I didn't even have a trailer. I would be sitting in my rental car between takes with the AC on, just running my lines over and over. So yes, it was very challenging, but because of that, I think the movie came out with that energy that you just mentioned a minute ago. You feel that energy through the screen. And I don't think that's easy to, you can't really get that if you have all this money and all this luxuries. You get kind of, like, I didn't have the person with the umbrella when you walk out of the trailer, you know, and the craft service. I mean, we didn't have anything. And when you have nothing, I think everybody's just in it for the love of making a good movie. There's nobody's being a diva. Nobody's, it was really refreshing, actually. I liked it. Yeah. It's, we recently did, did a short with a load of like non actors. And we had a lot of kids that it was like, we were having to like phone their mums and be like, are they actually going to turn up? And it, I feel like as soon as you get, try to get people from actually in those areas that aren't like the city or whatever, um, <laughs> you run into that, but it's kind of, it just adds to it. It's so nice as well to hear that like his film, it's everything that I hoped that it was going to be. Like 
what translates through the screen is imagine there was like a massive crew and umbrellas as you come out of a trailer it wouldn't feel as um, authentic to what you actually see you know very and uh, yeah again because of the subject matter and the world of this movie it made sense you know if we were like rich people living in a mansion in it wouldn't have worked for that but because of the grittiness of this film everything lended to it being authentic so it just happened to work Mm -hmm. um and then sean even said you know, he's, he was in pre-production on another movie up in Vancouver with Willem Dafoe that was a much bigger budget, I think like six, seven million dollar budget uh, instead of one. And so he had more money and more budget. But then after COVID happened and he this movie became basically a COVID movie, um, he said, God, and after shooting this, I kind of want to go back to shooting with less money and less people because it forces you to be on your toes. So it'll be interesting to see if he does that again. I mean, that sounds crazy, but I get it. I um, We had spoken a little bit about um, just like the setting of this movie. And uh, I heard you speak a little bit about it in another interview. Um, but I just wonder, uh, like it kind of set in 2016 and you kind of cut between these like incredible scenes. And then you kind of see like the pantomime of like politics at that time. And like, I just wondered what your like what your take is on that and like what that means in the film. So Sean, you know, put that in for a reason. It took place in 2016 and, you know, throughout the movie, um, it would one scene, the, you know, political debates would be on TV. And then the next scene, you're back at the house, it would be like bad reality television. And he was making a point that we're all living in this bizarre reality show during the 2016 elections where, uh, you know, literally a reality host uh, was running for president. So everything was this bizarre, strange time that we are still in, in America. And, um, so he was, he wasn't picking a side. And I'm certainly not about to get into my politics. Cause if I don't think anyone ever should listen or care what an actor's politics are, but, um, he was making a point and it wasn't left or right. Um, he was just saying how bizarre it was that that's where we were all at, that, you know, it was um, that that Donald Trump, this guy who you could say Mikey Saber, my character mirrors, you know, whether or not you agree with his politics or not, that he was a, you know, a narcissist and a, a malignant narcissist at that and someone who sort of has their big dick energy. It's very much about the American bravado of the uh, that archetype of sort of, you know, the American dream, money, 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 chasing the money, which really is the American nightmare, you know, which we're realizing now. I think everyone's seeing the truth for what I think the American dreams bullshit personally. And I, that's what I love about this movie is it's, it's just looking at that. It's not judging it. It's just saying, this is what it is. And that's sort of the subtext, I believe of what Sean's trying to say. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear you speak about it. We chat about it a little bit, but yeah, it feels like Mikey kind of really represents that time. Um, it, yeah, it is that time specifically, but the, the archetype of Mikey Saber is sort of what's problematic about this country, which is just like me, 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 money, 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 fame, fame, fame. It's like, what are our values, you know, um, as a society? Mm-hmm. And, Sean's really good at doing that in a nuanced way that's not forcing it in your face and making a, you know, it's subtle. And he does it in such a nuanced way that's beautiful. 
and he shines the light on dark subject matter and characters that are often forgotten about. And we call them the flyover states in America. Like, you know, you fly from L.A. to New York and, you know, those are those middle states that there's sort of this elitist attitude that we're better than them. But then when you go into those places, the people are actually quite wonderful. And I'm sure it's the same in the UK. You know, you have the big city folk and then you have like the small town folk. And there's this attitude that there's this divided thing. And it's really, really bad in America right now, divided as we all know. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, he, he just did it in a way that's, that's really, I think, um, beautiful at at how ugly it is does that make sense um there's no yeah there's no like right or wrong he's not yeah he's not commenting on it too much he's just kind of showing what is there and because that's what we're doing so much in america we're just barking at the other side and not listening as opposed to just having an open dialogue with one another it's just very divided i think sean chose this time 2016 to do the movie because that's when America really started to divide more than ever. And it was just a very strange time. Um, and it hasn't, it's still just getting weirder and weirder. Um, that was kind of the reason I moved out to the desert was because the cities in America are getting really intense. Like it's a bad energy. You could just feel it in the air. I liken it to, I remember when the Rodney King riots were happening or that, that moment in time, it was like 1993. And in Los Angeles, you can feel it in the air. There was this weird, tension between cops and civilians black and white you know it was this weird divided thing that was very palpable and that's what it feels like again and it's a kind of a scary thing you know um yeah it's a strange it's strange and what do you have coming up next what are you up to now um i have a movie that i just did with um lucas gage and zach quinto called down low it's a comedy um down low is a term about in America. I don't know if it's applied in England too. Down low is someone who's living in the closet, like a gay person. So down low is about this guy who finds out that he has terminal cancer and he has a couple months to live. He's married with children, but he's been living in the closet his whole life. So his dying wish is to explore his gayness with um, men before he dies. So his family moves out of the house and he starts, you know, having sex and doing drugs and going a little, you know, having a good party before he dies. And I'm one of the characters that comes by that's um, uh, sort of a male gigolo that smokes crack. <laughs> we smoke crack and party and it's a really funny movie and it's written by Lucas Gage. He's Lucas is the guy who was in White Lotus and, and he's in uh, Euphoria. And then I just did a movie with Diane Keaton called Mac and Rita, which is another fun comedy where I play a, a fake shaman, like a new age hippie shaman, <laughs> which to me is so much fun to play because we got a lot of those in L.A. and Joshua Tree. Um, so I got those two movies coming out and I'm about to go shoot a movie called National Anthem with Sidney Sweeney and Halsey and uh, an amazing cast. So, yeah, work, work's been great because of this movie. Um, everyone's seeing it and liking it, and uh, it's getting me more work, which is really all I want. I just want to work. It sounds like you play the most fun roles. <laughs> I want to keep doing more fun roles. It's like that's what it's all about. So I'm sort of in this unique situation for the first time in my whole life where I'm kind of getting to choose what I want to do. Like, as you, I'm sure you guys know, that's not very common it takes it you know a while to get to a place i mean at least in my situation um i'm sure it probably is like that for you but 
I've never been in this situation where I'm saying no to a bunch of projects. And there's a lot of power in that. It's kind of, you know, two years ago, I would have killed for any of these things that I'm saying no to. So it's very, uh, it's just funny how this business is. It's really feast or famine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good to hear, though. Yeah, it sounds fabulous. It's very. What's cool about this one, though, is like I've never really had the uh, sort of respect as an actor. I think I had imposter syndrome before this movie, where if people were to ask me what I did for a living, I felt like I was a fraud if I was like, I'm an actor. But after this movie, for the first time in my life, at 47 years old, like, I'm proud to say... I'm an actor because this movie, I believe, is that special and good. And and um, I've never got to do anything of this like caliber where we're at Cannes and we're, you know, getting, you know, up for Independent Spirit Awards and we're winning all these awards at festivals. Like I've never experienced this before. So it's kind of cool this late in the game to get to experience something like this, you know? That's so good. And also deserved as well. Yeah, so deserved. So deserved. Yeah, you're really, really incredible in this film. It's been such a pleasure to watch it. Yeah. Glad you guys liked it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, and it's just getting out there now. Like, um, it just came out on video on demand. I think in the UK as well. I think it's actually just coming out in theaters in the UK. Like, so anyone listening, it should be in cinemas and probably video on demand shortly after. Um, so yeah, everyone should check it out. It's I believe you should see it in the theater because it's shot on film and it's so beautiful um, that I would like to tell people to see it in the theater, but I understand if you watch it at home, just don't watch it on your iPhone or your iPad. Watch it on a big TV. <laughs> Do it justice, you know? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Simon. It was really great to hear you chat about this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, we can't wait to see what you do next. Well, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Um, it was a pleasure. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Simon. So, final thoughts. First of all, I'm really glad that Sean Baker's filmmaking process lives up to everything that I hoped it would be and that they just do it on the fly and don't get permits and just find people and those people go missing and then they have to all band together and make something as beautiful and authentic as what you see on the screen. Um, I thought Simon, it's just well overdue for him to have a role like this and um, I'm so glad that this has been the thing that's going to... Yeah, as he says, like make him busy and and get him the roles that he wants. So um, all in all, I really love it. I'm still conflicted about the character, but I think that's okay. Yeah, totally agree. I hadn't realized it was such a small crew and that they'd done this one like quite on the fly. Um, I'd kind of presumed that with it being a later Sean Baker film, it would have just been like a bigger budget, more like, I don't know, just done in those usual ways instead of on the fly. Um, so love that it completely matches the film completely love Simon Rex and I'm also so happy for him and feel like I could have just chatted with him forever Um, but yeah great film also still really conflicted but knowing that that's the point I think that's okay (laughs) yeah I think that I was really conflicted in the beginning about the leading character but actually getting past that and getting past uh, the sort of like full circle story arc and just diving into what this movie is saying um, and like the bigger 
uh, message. Um, I really am just like admiring Sean Baker. And uh, I think that he's just doing it very differently to other people right now. And um, that's really, really exciting. So I love this film and I really hope people go and watch it. Uh, and it was good to hear Simon chatting about it too. Go and watch the film and enjoy it. Bye. Bye. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Next week, we're going to be watching the 2014 film, What We Do in the Shadows. It was written and directed by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. And it's a comedy horror about a group of vampires that share a flat in Wellington in New Zealand. It's available to watch on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast was presented by Wrapped. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.